Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 758 with Jordan Bush. That sounds so cliche, but it's it's literally what our customers say. I use you guys because you are so dead simple. Like I just, I can get it and I can figure this out within like 10 minutes and I don't need to like talk to someone. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Not all of us were created with that creative bone in our body. We just don't have that artistic ability. I'm definitely one of those people. So when I need some creative work done, I look to 99designs. 99designs, whether you are looking to get your business online, strengthen your social media presence, or if you're exploring a new way to engage with your customers, 99designs, they have a creative solution for you. So to learn more right now, I suggest heading to 99designs.com slash unstoppable. When you use that link, you'll save $20 off your first design contest. Again, that's 99designs.com slash unstoppable. Are you still manually processing your accounts payable? No, 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 no. You need to be using Plate IQ. Plate IQ is the most intelligent and intuitive way to remotely manage your accounts payable. With Plate IQ, you can pay your vendors with a fraction of the time and manpower it took before. To learn more, head over to www.plateiq.com slash unstoppable. That's www.plateiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you'll get 25% off implementation. This episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And Seven Shifts is trusted by over 400,000 restaurant professionals because it gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable that's the number seven s-h-i-f-t-s dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free what's going on unstoppables we have a great show for you today but i have to remind you to please 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 use our sponsors we have some new sponsors seven shifts and play IQ. Uh, they're on board. They're taking a risk on the economy right now and supporting the show. And we need to say thank you. The best way we say thank you is by using our links and checking out their products and services for uh, their solutions. And um, when you use my sponsors, it really goes to show that this this community, this podcast has influence in that the voices uh, that their voices are being heard when they advertise with the show. So the other thing to really keep in mind is I only promote the products and services my guests are recommending. I'm, I see restaurant unstoppable as a filter to all the noise out there in our, these sponsors that we have on the show were recommended on the show multiple times organically. They're great services. They're great tools. And when you use these links, when you let them know that it was restaurant unstoppable that sent them, um, their way or sent you their, their way. It just goes so far. So with that said today, we're talking to the founder and CEO of seven shifts, Jordan Bush. And this is something that I, I really want to start doing more of. I really want to start developing 
deeper relationships with the tools and services that are being recommended on the show and literally just following the clues, following the trail of breadcrumbs that our successful restaurateurs are leaving behind as they're sharing their story and as they're making their recommendations. I just want to lean into those recommendations and lean into the advice they're giving us and suggesting that you guys check out seven shifts is absolutely me doing that, leaning into our advice and and, and leading into these recommendations. So today we're just kind of getting to know seven shifts. I want to give you the the backstory behind seven shifts, uh, Jordan's story, why he created seven shifts uh, to dive into some of the privileged information that seven shifts has because of all this data that they're they're able to get their hands on. Um, They get a lot of great information. We dive into a little bit of that today too, and how you can take advantage of this information. And we talk about the future of labor management in the industry and uh, just what separates seven shifts from other products and services out there. So um, full transparency, this is part of the uh, sponsorship. Uh, and I just cannot say thank you enough to seven shifts for seeing the value in restaurant unstoppable and just wanting to support this mission to inspire, empower and transform the industry. So with that said, I hope you guys enjoy today's show. Here it is. And with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest. He is a, he hails from, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, but Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan, Canada. Did I, did I say that right? Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Saskatoon. <laughs> That's Saskatchewan. Close. Bit of a tongue twister. I know. Say that 10 times fast. He got his start in the hospitality industry working at his dad's Quiznos, and he's a graduate from Agunquin College of Applied Arts and Technology. He's a programmer by trade, and he's the CEO and founder of Seven Shifts, Jordan Bush. Jordan, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today? Feeling very unstoppable. Yes, brother. I cannot wait to dive into your story to learn more about Seven Shifts and why Seven Shifts is being recommended so many times on the show, especially the past year, two years. You guys are just emerging as a leader in the labor management field. Um, So we're going to find out why. Uh, We're also going to get the the history of Seven Shifts. And um, I don't know, maybe dive into some of the data that you guys are able to, to mine just being in the tech industry, in hospitality, and maybe what the future looks like. And we're going to answer some listener questions. Uh, But before we do that, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Yeah. Something that when I was, when you asked me about this, I, you know, thinking about something that I uh, cling, cling on to, especially with running our own business is, is the act of being radically candid. Mm. And this is something that we've built the business on from zero people to 160 people now where, and it just, it, and it doesn't go, it's not just something that works well in business. I think it, it, it works well as kind of like a life trait. If you can care personally and challenge directly when you have an issue, um, you can just get so much done. And I think everyone has tons of stuff on their plate and I hate beating around the bush. I, um, I just, it it drives me crazy. So I always strive to be really direct with people and in in a compassionate way, but ultimately with the goal of solving problems in a, in a meaningful time and um, move forward. So being radically candid is something that that I'm I'm a big proponent of. I love that. And I want to pull back some layers because I love this, this, uh, this idea, this concept of being candid. So what is being candid? Paint that picture of what candid looks like. Yeah, candid is, um, you know, often people, when they think of, and they hear this, I don't know if anyone's read the, the book of, um, you know, there's a book on radical candor. Um, I'm going to mess up the name. It's by Kim. I can't remember her last name. But the, the whole idea is, you know, people think of being candid. They think of like, hey, it, it means being, people think, hey, it's blunt. And I'm blunt with people, so I'm candid. Um, and I think that, you know, that's, 
not a bad thing um, in the sense that behind that bluntness is there's probably truth yes. to, to, to the way that that person is feeling. But, you know, there's kind of this spectrum of if you're just being blunt and you're, you're like, you care, but you're blunt or you're, you're, you're kind of like, you come off as a bit of obnoxious. And you, the, in the quadrant that you can look at online, it's called obnoxious aggression. And so if you don't care personally, um, and you, but you do challenge directly, you just come off as obnoxious. Yeah. You know, you just kind of come off like an asshole. Um, I mean, I, I, so, I love that mentality of candor, though. And the, the, by the way, the, the name of the book is uh, Radical Candor, and it's by Kim Scott. Um, Kim Scott, yeah, yes. Yeah. And, um, when, and I'm, I love that you mentioned trust because when listening to you talk, what went to my mind immediately is uh, Stephen – it's not Stephen R. Covey. It's like the Stephen's son, but it's The Speed of Trust is the book. And they talk about candor in that book and the, the speed of candor when you're just direct with people when you don't beat around the bush and you say hey like this isn't personal um, but this is just like this is the truth and this is how we feel and and there's so much speed associated with that but you also build trust and being open and honest and straight to the point it might hurt sometimes it might not be what you want to deliver but it's totally necessary and it speeds things up so fast and you might be and the person like you you may have totally misunderstood the person Right. Like there, there's there's kind of like our perception of what happened. And then there's the other person's perception of, of like what goes on. But when you you're candid with each other, you're like, oh, no, no. What I meant by that was this. And, oh, you took it that way. Interesting. Like, here's what I really meant. And you're like, oh, OK. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't feel like apprehensive towards you anymore. So you, you can just see the walls start breaking down because ultimately you want to build that solid foundation of trust. Um, and it, that's why I say it's not just relevant for companies. It's relevant for life. Yeah. You know, people that constantly put themselves in uncomfortable situations and thrive, um, you know, typically are better off because they, they have those learnings. Absolutely. Um, so I love it, man. Great way to get this thing started. So let's try to just get to know who the heck you are, man. Like, w- tell us like how you found yourself as the CEO of seven shifts, but kind of start where, you know, how you broke into the industry and how you even created this opportunity for seven shifts. Yeah. So I, was working for my dad at some Quiznos that he he uh, he was running, and my grandparents ran some restaurants as well. So I grew up working in them, and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I, it was a great learning experience. I got to work with them, some great people, and as most of us know, like you, a large part of having fun and going to work is working with great people, yeah. right? Or like a great boss, and that Absolutely. old old saying of like, you don't quit your job, you quit your boss, like. My boss is my dad, and I, I kind of liked him as a boss. <laughs> Have fun um, doing that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I was treated differently, but um, in, in either way, uh, it got started there and seeing kind of the pain points firsthand around managing people and labor, and just seeing like I can just I have this memory of my dad just sitting at the back of the store and just like constantly. It was like the store was closed. Dad, can we go home? He's like, I'm not done the schedule yet. And he's building it. He's got sticky notes everywhere and he's calling people. Hey, like I can't put you there. I've got this person. They need this because they've got an appointment and there's just so much back and forth. Yeah. Can you timestamp this for us? I'm curious. What's the year? Like 2005, 2006. I know you're a graduate 2010 wanna, of college. So it was this before or after college. It was around that. Yeah. Okay. 2005, 2006. I think you're bang on. Yeah. Okay. Cause that's cool. when I graduated university or sorry, uh, uh, high school. Okay. So um, this is like, this is early on. I, I'm, I'm trying to like, were the, were there even any labor management solutions at this time? Like I, I, I know, uh, I mean, we're not, we're here to yeah. talk about seven shifts, but I know that, um, schedule fly was just a, starting around that time i want to say like the the late single digit yeah. t- 2000s so yeah yeah they were um yeah the guys from from north carolina and they uh 
Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't really know a whole lot of what was out there at the time. I was kind of, um, I was a, you know, a young kid and trying to, you know, think, think through, okay, well, he's got this problem. Maybe I can just teach myself how to write some code to build something. And I, I was fascinated by programming because I was, I was big into video games. So I like, I built websites and then I kind of taught myself how to do some stuff. And I was like, maybe I could take those learnings and build something for my dad and, you know, build something really small and rudimentary where he can upload an Excel spreadsheet on this website I built him. And then staff shared this like universal login and then they all downloaded this Excel spreadsheet. And so it was very, it's very like straw man version of seven shifts of what it is now, obviously, but that's really where it started. And in that time I moved across the country to go to school you know, to Ottawa I lived in France for a little while doing some consulting work or as like a software engineer. And okay. Sanchez was just kind of this like thing living in the background. Yeah. And, well, just back, backpedal and, a little bit because I, I want to talk a little bit more about your experience uh, growing up in the restaurant industry and um, seeing what your dad was going through, witnessing from your perspective this challenge. Uh, this, mm-hmm. this, like, how, did, how did his life change when he put a, a, a tight system in place to handle the situation? How did this impact the business? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, he loved it. I mean, he was just like, it was, uh, my dad was my, I always joke, like, it's like my first paying customer. I didn't even give him a discount. (laughs) Um, and so he was, but he was, he was proud to like support and I, I gotta give him a lot of credit. He was like very supportive of, of what I was doing to try and make things easier for him. So, um, yeah, people. It wasn't even just my dad. It was, it was the staff working there. They're well, like, yeah, "Oh that's man, a, that's thank what you I'm so much, Jordan, for like yeah. making it so much more accessible. I don't have to call the store. I don't have to come in. You wouldn't believe the amount of people that came into the store that were like, oh, I'm at, I was at Walmart over there, and yeah, you know, I figured I'd drive by and just see if the schedule's ready. Yeah, <laughs> like it was just kind of like, oh, that's what that's what people did. And I, I know this uh, is like the most like basic um, version of seven shifts, what we're talking about right now. And it's, and it's evolved so much since this time, but just even like putting like, like if you can put things to systems, you know, you can, you can just make everybody much more happy when, when people can, can interact and communicate. But that, I think that's a huge part of it too, is just the ability to communicate, streamline communication and put everybody in mm-hmm. one spot and hold people accountable. I always tell people like, I think that one of the first things you should invest in, um, well, obviously first the POS, but beyond that is a labor management tool. I think that it just, it, it will have such an impact. Um, your return on it. There is nothing that I think matches your return on investment because of the amount of time you save in just creating in like the, the amount of balls that aren't dropped. You know what I mean? It's like the most, one of the most impactful things you can do in your business in the restaurant industry. I believe. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I share a similar belief, like trying to not be biased about it. But <laughs> like I, I, I do like I think it's not just I think people people often think, oh, you're just kind of putting people on a schedule. And I think that, look, there's there's an aspect of that, but you're you're foregoing and you're maybe missing the communication aspects yes. of people being able to communicate when they can and can't work. Um, the ability to create a sense of autonomy amongst the workers to like move shifts around between each other if they qualify for certain skill levels and they're kind of the same person and, and only bringing the manager in when they need to be brought in to approve that change, ultimately still leaving them in control. Um, and then also the in- engagement and retention side of things. Like, you know, I think um, there's more of an emphasis now than there ever has been on, on getting good workers and trying to retain those workers yeah. for as long as possible. And I think when you peel back the layers of what it costs to, hire someone and have to you know let them go you know there's studies out there it's like $3,500 for an employee and it's like 13 grand for a manager like there's there's so I think that thinking about 
just scheduling is like very narrow, but if you can expand and think about the benefits from, you know, almost like a happiness and engagement perspective mm. alongside these other things that are going on within the labor management process, you start to think about like, there's some, there's some serious savings involved. Um, for sure, man. I, I, I think we're going to, as the, the conversation progresses, we're going to, and as we get to like more modern time of what, what seven ships is today, I think we're going to unpackage what that, how this thing has evolved over time. And we're really like paint that picture of what you guys have created, but bring it back to the story. So, you, so you're traveling, you're, you're consulting, um, bring us back to when you really started to lean into seven shifts and, and what was going through your mind. Yeah, it was 2013 where seven just made enough money where I can do it full time. And I was like, sweet, I'm going to quit my job as a software developer and I'm going to do seven shifts full time. And so how long were you working on seven shifts? I mean, I know you started it in like 2005. You stepped away from it for a while. It sounds like when did you revisit seven shifts? That's a good question. I I would, it was kind of like, I rebuilt it so many times just to keep learning. Yeah. Like I just, and I just know it's not because like we had a crazy amount of customers. It was just because like I enjoyed pushing the bounds of what I knew and what I thought was possible. And so I'm kind of like a nerd at heart. So I'd be like, Oh, a new programming language or a framework. Like, well, I want to try building it in this. And so it was small enough that I could do yeah. that and keep learning. It sounded like a little passion and project, like you're a little baby. It was you just like it one was of your just first projects project. too, right? It just was not, it was, it wasn't something at the time that I was like, Oh, I'm going to monetize this. I'm going to make it a business. It was very much like, this is a cool thing on the side that when I come home from my job, I can keep learning because yeah. like I was fascinated by like, I just love building things and seeing them come to fruition. And I get a, an extra amount of satisfaction when people go, Hey, I use the thing that you built and it's saving me time, money, and it's, it's working well. And yeah. so that's kind of what drove me. But um, yeah, it was always kind of like a side project. So at what point were you like, I, I really got something here. You know, I, I think I have something special. I think that I could make this my career. This could be like, this could, this could sustain me. Yeah, it was definitely 2013. And then um, it was like, oh my goodness, I can sustain myself on like a $50,000 salary or something or $40,000. It was like enough to just like live. Yeah, <laughs> I had a house and everything like with my wife and um, she was super supportive. She actually co-founded the company with me. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, it was like, I'm going to take this leave. She's like, go for it. Rented like a tiny office just to get out of the house, almost like a corking thing. Um, and uh, it was about a month in that I was working on it. And I was like, this is boring. Like a month in, I was like, I can't, like, I don't know. And it, it, it hit me. I was like, I love working with teams. Yeah. I love working in a high collaborative environment where smart people are, are I'm kind of learning from and, and they're challenging the way I'm thinking and, and wanting to do things a different way and, and having those discussions. And I had that at my, my prior jobs. And so I was like, well, I want to make this a big company. Where, where do you go to do that? And, you know, it's like, well, you go to Silicon Valley, you go to, you go to the Bay area. Okay. It's like, okay, well, like I'm from Saskatchewan. Like, um, that's a big move, right. uh, you know, a couple flights to get there minimum. Um, and so, yeah, we applied to some tech accelerators, my, and I grabbed a few co-founders, one being my wife and another one being our mobile uh, developer, Johannes. And we got into it, this, uh, we said, okay, if we get into an accelerator, we're moving. And they're like, and I'm like, you guys have to quit your jobs. <clears throat> you know, one of them had like a pretty st- stable, you know, kind of like, um, kind of job in the telco industry. Another, my wife was like consulting and at, with the hospital and she's like, okay, we're, we're game. And so uh, we, we did our interviews and they were just like, Hey, we wanted to accept you guys in the program. And we're like trying to contain like our excitement. That's awesome. And we're like, Oh my God. Yeah. We're like, we're game. We hung up. We're like, and like both of them were like, okay, well I guess I'm going to tell my boss tomorrow that I'm quitting and that I'm moving <laughs> to San Francisco. <laughs> right. So it was, 
it was very, it was very uh, quick. Nice. And we all moved down there and we started building the company um, at a more rapid pace. Okay. From I think this is a, a good spot to take our first break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure your profitability and restaurant success. Trusted by over 400 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system you already use and trust like toast turning labor into a competitive advantage for you and your business to get three months absolutely free head over to www.sevenshifts.com slash unstoppable that's the number seven s-h-i-f-t-s dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free get on it we're back, and uh, I really just wanted to kind of get the picture of like what the industry was at this time. I know 2013, 2014, you guys aren't the only labor management solution like that's out there. There's a lot going on. So, what were you guys trying to do to be unique at this point? How were you trying to like separate? Like, what what was what was your unique selling proposition going to be? Reflecting back at this time. Yeah. So the um, the at, at the time. <clears throat> In 2013, 2014, we were actually not focused purely on restaurants. Despite it, ta- despite it starting with with my dad and, and going there, there was like a, a big moment in the company in in just early 2014. Where we're like, I just I was like, I don't feel like they're like. There's a lot of scheduling tools out there, and we're getting hit up, and we're growing, and it's it's good. But we've got like hospitals using us, um, you know, Retail. ambulatory services. We've got some dog grooming companies, yeah. we've got restaurants, like you name it. We had every industry and we're, we're kind of like, we're three people and everyone's just like throwing all these features at us at like requests of like, Hey, we need this. We need this to work. And I was just like, stop like this. No, this is just too noisy. And if we're going to build anything of real value, um, I wanted, and, and from taking some kind of learnings from my past jobs as a developer, I just wanted to focus on one thing. And I didn't want to be the jack of all, master of none. I wanted to be like, you know, this started in kind of the food service space. And, you know, there, there's like, there's there's not a whole lot of players in there if you start boiling down to like folks that are really focused on the restaurant space specifically. And there's like a few at the time, um, you know, Hot Schedules and, and Schedule Fly were obviously the the kind of bigger ones. But yeah. Um, I just said, let's, let's like build a world-class labor management system for restaurants and almost take a bet that we're, there's going to be a big, a big boom within restaurant tech and, you know, that we're going to be a part of it. Nice. And we're going to be a part of it because, you know, being a developer by trade, I think integrations are going to be an important thing. I think connectivity and being a, a really strong platform that people can easily hook into is yeah. going to be an important thing. And... Um, just a couple things yeah. real quick. Um, I'm loving what you're sharing with us. I, I just want to dissect this a little bit. I, I mm. love, or just mostly just put emphasis on what you share with us. And it's a lesson I've absolutely picked up, uh, on the show, just like entrepreneurial lesson, do one thing really well. 
You know, like Mm -hmm. don't try to be everything to everybody. Know what you do best and do that thing and try to be everything to a few people, you know? And when you, when you, if you can do that, I feel like that's when the, the the momentum kind of takes over. And I mean, I guess it depends on what you're trying to accomplish, but I, I agree with that sentiment 100%. Uh, How, how did things start to change for you when you put all of your energy into, to, to solving just a few people's problems really well? Oh, it's scary. We lost like, 66% 66% of our customer base. <laughs> that's like, crazy. it was terrifying and because like they weren't all restaurants. So like we said, we, all of a sudden you're, you're, you're a dog grooming company. You come to seven shifts.com and you see a bunch of restaurant people on the front page. You're kind of going like, what's like, what is this? Like, or, you know, it, it just didn't match the personas anymore. Oh man. Um, and so, yeah, we, we isolated like this huge chunk of our customer base to say like, we're not focusing on you anymore. <laughs> and it was like hard for, you know, especially our other co-founders that are like, Oh my God, like, well, we've built this business and like, it's, 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 you know, it's going up into the right. And it's, we're, it's like, okay, but you know, how much longer, like, what do we really want to be you guys? Like, yeah. do we want to be everything to everyone and kind of throw our hat in the ring, like some folks, or do we want to build a best in class system? And, and we made that change and it took us about like, a year, maybe a couple of years okay. to like find product market fit within restaurants with all the work that we did and how we prioritized our integrations and, and um, how we worked with restaurant partners specifically, because you can, you can only imagine a labor management suite gets hit up with a ton of partnership requests if you're achieving some growth. Yeah. Right. So by, by saying, Hey, we're, we're restaurants only, we got to eliminate like 99% of the, the kind of like what we might want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and with a partner and, you know, it's like, Oh, you want to integrate? Uh, sorry. We like, you don't have restaurants. <laughs> like yeah. it made it really easy to make decisions. Yeah, and I I'm, think a, I'm a very like simple you're, you're, minded yeah. person. You're, you're and I need to just like, like be, Sorry, I, I love what I have to just like lean into this because like you're, you're you're dropping another huge lesson lesson, which is being super intentional with your relationships. Like you you realize it's not just trying to solve this problem for this for like this this uh, like all segments, all different verticals. You you went into focus just on the restaurant industry, but also like you're saying now you have everything you say yes to is something else you have to say no to. Right. So now that now that you're not saying yes to all these other things, you can say yes to the right people to do what you're doing Mm -hmm. even better. And I think you nailed the, the, the the nail on the head when you said that, in 2014, it was all about integration. Restaurant tours, like technology was starting to emerge and restaurant tours were pulling their hair out to the point where they looked like me and Brandon over here. And they're just like, oh my gosh, like what's going on? Um, we can't, like we have all this technology, but none of it integrates, none of it works together. And that was a huge, huge hurdle for people. And it seems like you knew that there was gonna be a pain point. You anticipated a pain point and you were able to, to lean into that. Yeah, and I wanted to focus on a segment that had been neglected like for a very long time, like people didn't build stuff for restaurant, like independent restaurants because they're like, margins are thin. They won't pay enough money. I can't make it worth it. Why would I ever focus on that segment? Yeah. Whereas I kind of took like a bit of a contrarian approach where I was like, yeah, but like that to me is a great opportunity. And, you know, I think that when, when you think about restaurants and, you know, despite what's happening within the pandemic, that's, it's like a very, to me, it's not going away. Like people need to eat, and they need to go somewhere to eat. And like, you know, again, so I, I thought it was like a good bet to take to try and really hone in on independent restaurants. Um, and, you know, even when we talk about focusing on restaurants, like you can start to micro slice that in a bunch of different ways. Is it QSR? Is it full service? Is this like a cafe? Is it a juice bar? Like yeah. you could start to go. So like, even though you say we're focused on restaurants, 
Um, there, you know, I was talking to the, the there's CEO no two of Ola. restaurants that are exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. Like, like Noah glass, the CEO of Ola, when we like 2014, I was talking to him and we're like, yeah, Noah, we're focusing on restaurants. And he's like, which types of restaurants? <laughs> like, and so like, if you want, you can, you can just, my point is like, even if you focus on, you know, that segment, um, there's still a lot of opportunity. There's still a lot of almost like micro segments that you have to cater to. So it, your decision making becomes, I think, easier, but you still have other big decisions that you need to make in terms of adding value within that segment that um, it's high enough value that they're not going to get from another horizontal labor management tool. Yeah. So I love it, man. So when, how did things start changing within seven shifts when you, when you decided to put all of your energy into building these relationships with other technologies to integrate, like how did things start changing your business? How did this impact um, your success to this day? Yeah, it's, it's had a major impact. We integrated first with uh, touch bistro as a point of sale. And what year is I this remember- now? 2015. Okay. I like to work chronologically, so bear with me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm picking up on that. So I'm going to try and like remember my, (laughs) my years a little bit better, but I think it was 2015. And uh, yeah, I remember just bombarding their CTO with emails being like with our, from our customers saying like, Hey, do you integrate with touch bistro? And I literally would like snapshot the emails. I just send it to him like every week. And it was to the point where he's like, okay, like, I think I just like exhausted people um, (laughs) to some extent. Some people call that resilience. Uh, But anyway, so it it was a really good fit because we were adding value to our mutual customers. That was really the ultimate end goal. And that was, that was kind of the the first step into being like, Oh, you want to integrate? What do you want to see? Why do you want to see it that way? Interesting. How can we help visualize, visualize that and give you a better picture of your labor as it relates to say your sales data or something like that within this view. And so it, it started to open that door. And then the next integration we did was with toast. Um, obviously toast was like picking up uh, big time at this point. Uh, they, they got, so, around this time they got like a massive like grant or something. I know that they, they started scaling really fast. Um, yeah, it was, I think it was 2017 that we did something with toast yeah. and same thing. Like I'm a, I built a lot of relationships on the partnership level very early and it allowed us to get in the door quickly with folks and build a great integrated product. So I would say integrations um, are a huge driver for us. Okay. And they, they still are to this day. Like it's, it's table stakes. Yeah. And there's a lot of folks that, um, and it's not even just integrating. It's making it really simple and sinking a lot of the minute data that people don't really think about or just like make them pull their hair out. Like there's this lot of little stuff when they think about you edited someone in an HRS system and how does it get pushed to the point of sale? How how does it get pushed to my scheduler, to my hiring app? And and how does that all flow? And fortunately with starting with independence, you can start to kind of bite that off in simple, simple chunks because they may over only use a scheduling tool. But as you start to go into more multi-unit realms, you know, now they have a hiring tool and now they have this tool and, and what does your platform do to enable them to, to create that level of connectivity between the systems? Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's something I think a lot about um, and that we prioritize yeah. a lot. I want to get into like what's next. I think that's definitely something that we want to talk about, but real quick, I just want to like emphasize again, this, this mentality of like, I was really curious. I was like, okay, so I, I knew that, like you mentioned, there was a few players, a big, big swingers at the table at this point in the labor management 
um, vertical specifically within the restaurant industry. I'm like, where does seven shifts, like how do they just like, how do they beat out these like behemoths in the industry mm-hmm. starting in 2013, 14? And it sounds like because of that focus on integrations, what your unique selling proposition was that allowed you to kind of catapult to like, you know, the front, like the, in the way that you did. Um, but what I'm kind of curious about now um, into like more modern time, uh, maybe like the, the 2018, 19, what was it that you were doing at this point? I, I, cause I feel like maybe like the, the, the other competitors might've caught up to you with the integration. Um, what else were you doing that was unique that you think that you did better? What, what, why, why seven shifts is I get, I guess where I'm getting at at this point. Yeah. I would say that early on too, just to kind of go back a little bit in terms of what led to now, it wasn't even just, um, <clears throat> it wasn't even just integrations. It was focusing on independence, okay. like, like a kind of a combination of the two. Um, because, you know, from what I understand, some of our competitors, you know, um, a bigger one for, for sure was not as focused on independence as, as we were. And so what we did is we kind of like looked at the segment and said, okay, like let's serve independence as kind of our primary. We're not going to go after the chilies of the world. We're not going to go after like the Applebee's. That's just not like us. Um, and so, but what, what that's led to in terms of how we, how we, um, grow today and, and, you know, why we've been able to achieve some, some, um, you know, good numbers and is, is really because of those early relationships that were built, uh, around the integration of the partnership, partnership channels. And because they started really early, we got to invest and spend a lot of time with the teams of like point of sale companies. So we got to know not just partnership teams, but sales teams. And so I would say that, you know, if you look at, you know, you, I, I can talk about some of like the unique, you know, features or, or things like that. And um, ultimately that needs to be paired with a good go to market strategy. And I think when we, when we look back on how we've managed to get to where we are, it's been through a very simple product that is very well integrated and has a lot of buy-in from our partners. And when our partners win together, we win. So, so you say buy-in from your partners, you're talking about the, uh, the integration partners? Correct. Okay. Yeah. They, and when, when we help them close deals, they, they want to bring us when they want to bring us in, you know? And I think that that was, that was in itself, like a really, that, that, that kind of like getting, in and at the ground level really early was really important because we maintained the relationships as the point of sale companies grew and raised more money and, and kind of scaled. Grow we together. kind of scaled with them. Nice. I would, I, what I would emphasize too, in, in terms of um, differentiating factors. And again, to just not talk about features for a second is really about how we support operators and, we didn't have everything that everyone needed early on. And, and to this day, there's still stuff we're building. Like, I mean, you could build forever, arguably. But what allowed us to have restaurant operators stick with us the, the whole way was I was constantly talking to them. So I built relationships early on. But I, but I transferred that mindset to our customer success team and our support team in that you're going to talk to operators. You're going to talk. This is not a nine to five job. You're going to be talking to people that are going to phone us at midnight. You're going to pick up the phone and you're going to solve their problem. And by doing that, by building this trust and credibility around the support systems and the support line, um, you know, you can like read reviews online about us like that. That is a huge yeah. differentiator is that like 
that mindset and that mentality is so ingrained in the support team. So when you have partners referring you, that's kind of like your, your way in. But if you don't provide great, like a great system and a great simple tool with backed by strong support for restaurant operators that are not nine to five um, and that are fighting fires in the kitchen and doing kind of all over the place, um, you need to have that strong support for them and they'll be loyal. Yeah. And, and so that's a big proponent of what we've been able to accomplish. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And that's something that comes up a lot when I'm talking to people about technology and like just making those technology decisions. A lot of people are always kind of looking at like the bottom line, like, well, I can save $5 a month on this one or $10 a month on this one. I'm like, when you're in the shit, you're going to want to have to talk to, you're going to want somebody on the other end. And like, you might like pay the extra $10 a month to, to get that customer support. Like what's $10 a month. And I think that's something that comes up a lot. Like, you know, I'm, I don't even know exactly where you range and like comparison of prices, but never like if, if something's a little bit more expensive, there's probably a good reason why. And, and like consider those things, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, kind of like what I would like to spend about our, our, the rest of our time talking about right now is, is, one, I would like to kind of paint a picture of what you think is your unique selling proposition today. Um, what is seven shifts in 2020 and going into 2021? And also you mentioned uh, during our pre-interview chat that you have, you're privy to a bunch of data. And I would love to kind of pull back some layers on what you've discovered being able to have access to this data and what you can share with, with our uh, attendees today and our listeners next week. Yeah, so maybe I can start with loaded. the. <laughs> yeah, loaded. I think that just to reiterate that the first part was like you know what's what's allowed us to be kind yes. of unique. What is what? It, yeah, what what separates Seven Shifts today? If I'm listening to this and I'm trying to make a labor management purchase or I'm looking to switch my my option, um, why choose Seven Shifts? Like, what makes you unique today? Yeah, it's so funny because like you'd think it'd be drastically different than how we started, but it's it's really like a few core components that have not changed. Um, and the first one I'll emphasize is like, um, this, like the support team is, is like very strong. I, I believe and and we've always been there for folks. Maybe it's just the Canadian in us where we're just like overly friendly and we want to make sure everybody's happy. Um, but the, the other side is, um, you know, the integrations have been a big part of our, our growth, but, and, and differentiated in terms of how deep we go into things that we sink. And, you know, people don't think again about like, sinking wages, roles, locations, like as you do them between systems. And so there's like the minutia of that, that people really like. And the last one was, it sounds so cliche, but it's, it's literally what our customers say. I use you guys because you are so dead simple. Like I just, I can get it and I can figure this out within like 10 minutes and I don't need to like talk to someone. Yeah. And when we think about software in our world and you think about I can buy a, I can buy like a tailored shirt online. I can put in my measurements and it ships like the perfect shirt for me. Yeah. Like how do you translate that to software and make people like really love that experience? And so I think that building a really simple and intuitive product easier said than done, but I'm like, I'm so, I'm such a, I'm such a like devil in the details type of person that our product and design team like loves and hates working with me because <laughs> um, I'm the kind of guy that gets like, will like message people over like pixels being off. So I care a lot about that experience because I know that all those little experiences add up to a better product experience overall. Yeah. So, so one um, thing I know a, a lot of people who are listening to this might be thinking to themselves, okay, if your integrations are so great, like what are the big, who are the big partners? Like what, like, 
Yep. Can you list some of those off? So in the background, so we can be like, oh, maybe I should check this out because that's what we use. Yep. Like, what are those integrations? Yeah. So I would say um, Toast is a really, really um, like strong partner of ours in terms of what we've been able to integrate with them, and like it's it's pretty nuts. Like we have a really robust integration with them. Same with Touch Bistro. Um, and you know, same with, uh, and I would say like square is, is kind of the runner up, but I would say those two touch from toast are, are really good integrations. And I think that, um, we invested, it sounds so silly, but we invested so much time and product work in what we refer to as like our mapping interface, where we, you know, say like, Hey, you added someone in the point of sale, but they're not in seven shifts yet. Eric, do you want to add them? Yes. Hey, Eric, did you know that you, the wage just changed in the point of sale for John? And, and do you want to confirm it in here? Yes. Like okay. these types of, and like surfacing, like when things are out of sync between systems is like, we have a whole team that does that. Like, I don't know, like many companies that probably do that. So is this but, like push, is this like push notification? Are you guys just kind of looking to, for symmetry between the different platforms? And if, if there's something that's off, are you, is there literally a person that's like, Hey, did you catch this? Or is it no, just, no, it's automated. Okay. It's automated. And, and so we, it's, it's in the system and, and we try and do corrections without having to bring you in. If we think that the, the, the likelihood of us making that the right correction is, is high. Um, but I guess, uh, yeah. So when I think about some of the partners that we go deep with, like toast is definitely one of them. Like we're consistently building out a lot of functions that, um, other labor management systems may not have because we're almost like pushing some of these point of sale companies to say, okay, your API does this, but how great would it be if we could solve this next problem mm-hmm. of syncing this type of data? Do you have that available? No, we don't. Okay. We've got, you know, these customers that want it. You know, can we talk about this? Can we work with the product team? So again, this comes back to the relationships that we built early on that allow us to get access to start having these conversations with cross product teams because we know the value prop with with point of sale and a labor management system is really strong um, if the things feel like they're super connected. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I The other questions I had, um, I mean, unless there's any other features or integrations we should know about before we move on, I don't want to cut you short. Um, yeah, I think like um, there's, there's a few things that I think are worth talking about as it relates to things that work. I, I feel like are kind of uniquely solving. And um, some of it's like actually stuff, a bunch of this is like stuff that's rolling out in the next month. Uh, but a lot of it is kind of centered around how we budget and how restaurants budget. You know, we're making a lot of changes around this specific thing. Um, around the budget tool. And I, I think if you look across horizontal scheduling softwares, they, they really just like, here's your labor, here's your sales. Like we're kind of like sales per labor hour, like, you know, by 15 minute increment units, like burgers, what do we want to use? How do you measure your uh, efficiency in the restaurant and how can we help you plan better going forward? And I think that, um, and, and, and things that are very specific to restaurants, like what did you do last week? What did you do last year? Like, was it a holiday? How did that impact your, your sales? Or what did that do? And what was the weather like? Was it, you know, did it rain? Okay, that's why sales were lower. Well, it's supposed to be sunny and the patio is going to be open. And, you know, there, there's granted COVID through a wrench and you oh, know, right. some prediction yeah. that we, that we want to do. But, you know, our, our data science team kind of suppressed some of the COVID stuff to try and make sure that we can still accurately forecast some of these things. But I think just around budgeting, we have more of a restaurant-centric way of looking at that. Um, and then something that I'm really excited about that we're rolling out is, um, I hate using terms like machine learning and AI and all that stuff, but um, 
because it's really like not about confusing people and making them scared of like some, 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 uh, I don't know, some future robots doing all this work, but it's really like, we notice a lot of people that copied schedules from week to week. And, and we're now doing, um, we do have a data science and machine learning team internally that works really hard to resolve conflicts around anticipated things that are coming up for next week, whether it's time off availability, weather, stuff like that, and starts to like, we call it like kind of like a quick fix, which is like puts the people in the place where if, if that person's not available, we look for people that typically work those shifts and who actually doesn't typically work that shift and make sure they're not working it. And, and Oh, interesting. These two people never work together. Is that intentional? Um, and how do you, and also how do you start, putting the right people in the right place to drive more revenue at certain times for the business. So there's more coming on that and we're beta testing that right now, but that's something I'm super excited about because on the surface, it should be dead simple for operators. They shouldn't have to think about it, but behind the scenes, they should almost know like how we're thinking about it and and kind of unpacking it. Yeah. So that's something I'm really excited about. The one thing that hasn't come to the surface that I was curious about, and I know you guys were focusing on more being like a, not just a labor management solution, but like a, like a, a labor life cycle solution. If yep. I, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but employee life cycle is what we call it. Yeah. Employee life yeah. cycle solution. So how is, is that something unique to seven shifts or what, what are you doing with the, in that regard um, that is unique from maybe some of the other options out there? Yeah, I think the way that, um, and we try and share this with this, this vision with as many operators as we can talk to is look at the end of the day, everyone wants a system that's just one system. That's Nirvana, right? I think that generally speaking, but not. The, and so when we think about how we focus, we, started with, you know, scheduling and we're kind of building out and into what we call the employee life cycle. So what I mean by that is everything from the moment someone's hired, then they're, you know, trained, they're scheduled using a product like ours, they're, they're paid using a payroll company, then they're effectively retained until they quit or are terminated. And so we've done a good job establishing our core under scheduling. And we, we, we built an engaged product that lives within seven shifts for the retention piece where we actually use quantitative and qualitative data to surface to restaurant operators when certain people we feel are becoming disengaged. Okay. And just kind of like a side tangent story that I thought was super interesting is we have um, kind of like a 20 unit, 30 unit um, operation in, in New York and they, and in one of their stores, all the engagement scores dropped and they were like, Oh my God, like upper management looks at this dashboard and they're like, what's going on. And they got rid of a manager and all the engagement scores went back up. They found it was actually a manager issue. And, you know, to me, that was so validating in terms of us being able to provide the insights to some of the the store level, uh, the the higher level operators to say, like, you know, there is a correlation between the the level of engagement and the revenues you're generating at your stores. And if we can help you, you know, create create more of those types of formulas across other locations, then the better off you'll be. Um, And so when we think of the employee lifecycle, hiring, training, scheduling, paying, retaining, scheduling is our core. We do some really interesting stuff around engaging um, for the retention piece. But where we, we're spending some time now is, is really on the hiring side. And, you know, if you look at what's out there today, I feel there's kind of like a bit of a disjointed um, type of system where you, you talk to somebody, so they're like, oh, I use this for hiring. I use Indeed. I use this. And then I use this for this. And then, you know, I have this other app for this thing. And so what we're trying to do is trying to create kind of like a seamless flow um, for operators that are using these tools um, and as, especially as it relates to, to hiring and using, because we've got millions of restaurant employees within our system, if a restaurant worker in seven shifts is going to want to get a, a you know, apply for a job that's near them, 
you know, there's probably data that they can share with that operator that will help them potentially get that job, right? The fact that we have history, like historical data on some of the workers and try to help give that to them to empower them to, you know, potentially move between some restaurants or work at a few or, you know, whatever they may be. But we, we know that, you know, they, they, other people like working with them. We know what point of sales they've been trained on and try and help build almost like a better matching system between restaurant, the needs of restaurant operators and the workers that we have in our system. Um, because I, I fundamentally believe that hiring should feel more like almost like a tender <laughs> type yeah, of thing where we can be like, no, no, we know like these five people are going to be good. And, you know, there's some cultural screening stuff that we can do ahead of time for you. And we know with quantitative data, they show up on time and they work 90% of their shifts and all this stuff. Do you want to interview that person or do you want to interview this resume that you know nothing about? Um, and so I guess the, our approach is still on the life cycle, but the way we view aspects of that life cycle, I think are probably different than how some people view that. So one we're not thing, just building like an ATS. Yeah. One thing I'm really curious about, you mentioned that you're able to track the engagement of your employees. I'm sure there's just like some obvious data that you're getting access to. Like, are they showing up to work? Are they clocking out early? Are they, are they clocking in late? You know, like that sort of stuff. But how else are you, how, how do you know from the data that you have access to whether somebody's engaged or disengaged? Yeah, there's, there's some, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. Like the quantitative stuff is similar to what you just mentioned. Um, and then, you know, qualitative, like Eric, how's your shift? How's your shift today? Right. If you're always saying smiley face emoji, writing some comments, it was awesome. And then all of a sudden you're like saying, I'm not having a great shift. You're ranking it like a two out of five. Um, that gets factored in as well. Okay. And then like, you know, if you build on that, you can even say like, have the managers almost like you know, rank that employee and how they did that day. And so we're trying to look at like different facets that make up what it like, we're ultimately trying to figure out like, what does an engaged employee look like? How do you unpack this like black box of saying my employee's not engaged? Cause everyone's like, what does that mean? Like, yeah. Like, and so we're, we're trying to like, and so that's where we've seen some early success. And so you're literally um, just asking through the app at the end of a shift, like how was your day? Yeah. Okay. So that's it's, one part of it. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, I had Mike Ganino on the show and he said, um, I, I can't remember how he got to this. It was like one of the last questions I asked him. I was like, Mike, if there's any like last piece of advice you can drop on us before we say goodbye, what is that advice? He said the, the number one number or like the most important number in your restaurant that you can track that nobody does. And it was exactly that. Just asking people, are you happy at the end of a shift? And if you start seeing some, like if it's, if it's one out of five, if you start seeing some threes and twos trickle in there, it's just good communication. It's just checking in. It's just knowing when there's something wrong and the, the information you're going to get when you do see a two or a one, you, you tap into that person. Hey, what, what's up? What's going on? Well, this exactly. happened. Like, and you can just, you can just surface so much information and you can get a pulse. It's literally a pulse on mm-hmm. the culture, the condition of your culture every day. And it's a very valuable uh, method. And I just want to make sure we, we hovered over that. Do you want to reflect? Yeah, I just think um, even if you think about it's and it's not even for policing. I think I don't want to have that as like the wrong message here. The fact is this this industry employs the highest number of teenagers out of any private industry in the U.S. So when you think about that and you think of the younger managers that are coming in and it's their first time managing and you're kind of expecting them to be great. And, and, and they're, they're not going to be great off the hop. Like some people have like innate abilities. They've got good EQ. They can like pick up on things. 
Not everyone's like that. And I think that we're trying to provide a tool set that just says like, Hey, something might be up with, you know, Susie or John and like, um, their, their, their engaged score dropped and, and literally like, it doesn't have to be like all, all, all it really has to be is, Hey, Susie, how are you feeling? And you don't, and maybe she's like, oh man, I've been having a rough week. Like my grandpa passed away. Like my dog is sick. Like, I don't know. But the fact that you're just asking a simple question of like, how are you feeling? Not only like gets the root of like why the engage score is down, but it builds trust with your workers. They now think like, oh, he like picked up, he picked up on something. He kind of cares about me. Yeah. And really that's what we're trying to build is like for you to be an effective manager, you need to earn trust. Um, You can't just come in like, you know, um, with some, some like really blunt advice for people that don't respect you, like it's not going to go anywhere. So how do you, how do we give almost like newer managers a bit of like a base level tool set to help them be effective in their new role? Yeah, man, I'm loving this. Any other data we haven't uh, talked about that you're privy to that you think can just shine some enlightenment on our listeners? Um, yeah, I think a lot of it is, uh, centered around, um, the employee. And I, I think that, we're at the end of the day, like when we think of our product, we're selling to operators, but like we're kind of a teeter totter where we're saying we need people, like we need managers seeing value in our operational tools that we're providing them enough to pay us for them. And then we also need to make sure that employees love the app and engage in it. If you don't have employees using the product, it's never going to work. And the manager is going to go, why did I invest in this in the first place? So I think that, you know, it's, we, we constantly balance and we're, we're building for both personas. Um, which is, which is a challenge, but it's also fun at times. But the data that we get from like the, 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 you know, millions of workers in the system all is only going to help both parties um, as it relates to the long-term effects of how we want to almost help restaurants. Um, and maybe, and, and, and everyone talks about how restaurants kind of like are an early stepping stone to other careers. Um, and, and that's cool. But if we can provide you a good set of data as to like, your almost like report card of how you, how you are and you you want to download that and use that as part of your resume for another career. Great. Or if you want to stay in the industry and you want to be a chef and you want to do other things, you can carry that with you. So we're trying to, I think the data and the value that we offer, at least for the employee side is um, really trying to long-term help them um, in the industry or outside the industry, something that they can take with them that says like, Hey, I'm good. Yeah. Um, and then from the operator and the data standpoint, that data funnels back into like how you schedule people and like who works well together and why. And if you think about people that are saying, I'm not enjoying my shift at the end of the day, that's, it's like interesting. The seven shift system noticed that 80% of the time, these two people don't like working on that same day at that same time. Can you then draw a conclusion that these people don't like working with each other? Hmm. And, and also when these people do work uh, together, revenue seemed to go up between 12 and three and it wasn't happening historically during this time. So what, and so there's a lot of interesting things that you can start to ask yourself that um, you may be able to infer, or you may be able to, um, um, yeah, kind of, kind of use to, to try and build some efficiencies into your operations. So I think we're at the center of some really interesting data, not just from point of sale, yeah. sales and labor data, data is great, but there's like, there's so much that we can do to help inform the actual building process um, to make sure that the needs of the restaurant are met and employees are happy and engaged. I think those are really important. It sounds like 
what you're doing is just finding these correlations, right? Um, but uh, what I'm curious is, is there just, is there a push notification? Is there an alert going on? Or do you have to be like nose in the data to see and search for these, these correlations? So we are kind of looking at this behind the scenes right now. We don't, the, the, we don't have this kind of like surfaced on the schedules page today. We're kind of looking at this and figuring out what direction we want to take with it. Um, and as we, as we work with more, you know, multi-unit brands um, in the New York area and, and some outside of it, we're, you know, these are questions that they're asking and it's, it's questions that we are, are learning about. And um, so I think in, in early 2021, we're going to see some of this data being used for the actual process of creating schedules. That's interesting. I like that a lot. So before we get into the Q and A's, I just want to make sure um, we, we talk a little bit about what your perspective on the future of the industry is. Cause up to this point, it seems like you've had a really good track record looking at the industry from an objective perspective and saying, okay, like this is where it is and this is where it's going. This is what it's going to need. And we're going to be there to, to fill that need. So what are you doing now to be there to fill? What, what needs are you going to be filling into 2021, 2022, and 2023? Yeah, I think the way the landscape is changing, with, especially with COVID, is there are a lot of operators, you know, when we surveyed customers or, or the, the kind of industry, it was like 70 to 80% of people were scheduling with Excel and paper still um, in different areas of the U.S. And I think like, you know, for better or for worse, like with this pandemic, a lot of folks had to adopt technology. They had to like to survive, you know? Um, and I, I know that third-party delivery is a whole other ball game that you probably want to bring someone else on a podcast for. <laughs> um, but I, I think that there has been a shift in terms of the reliance of technology to run things efficiently. And, you know, I think for some of the folks that were kind of riding the, 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 the red and the, and the black, uh, that the pandemic was probably like the nail in the coffin. Um, but I think for those that, you know, were adapting and adapted well, um, I think they, they're starting to adopt more technology to help them get better insight in terms of how they're actually running their business. And I think that, yeah, people are just going to, I think we're going to, whatever restaurant closures happen, um, you know, I think of like it being like a store, like it's a, it's kind of like, it's like a restaurant or a retail kind of venue, right. That's probably closing up. And I don't know what's really going to replace it other than, you know, eventually, hopefully another restaurant. Um, and I think that we're going to have like a new kind of mindset. And, and I'm already seeing it of kind of an operator saying like, you know, I want to start a restaurant and here's kind of what I'm using. And they're going to pick a point of sale. They're going to pick a labor management system. They're going to look at accounting um, probably with a different lens. And um, I don't know if you saw Yelp release some data that like restaurant openings were similar to um, what they were, you know, pre-pandemic last year. Um, in terms of what they're seeing this year. So I thought that was interesting. I think that um, isn't, and that was a projection that I made. I really did think that, you know, this was going to create so much opportunity because so many people that were on the fence, and let's be honest, there's a lot of people that get into this industry and they have this vision of what their life's going to be like and their dreams coming true. And then like a month in, they're like, shit, what did I do? And like all those people um, who maybe had too much pride to get out of the industry saw COVID-19 as like, okay, this is my exit strategy. Like this is, it's not my fault. It's COVID's fault, you know, and they just saw it as a, a way to get out. Or I, mean, I think that was a big chunk of it. And people, this, this industry breaks people down. You know what I mean? Maybe they're in it for yeah. 10 years and they just had enough, you know, like yeah. I feel like, and like that was a just created this void. And like, there's so many people getting into the industry now. And I think that 
if, if you've never been in the industry, now is a perfect time to get in because it will never be harder. It's only going to get easier, you know? So if you can, if you can come in now and acclimate to like the, the conditions that you have to acclimate to, it's, it's not going to get harder. You know, I think, so. mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's going it, to, it's definitely not, it's definitely not getting easier. Um, yeah, there's certain things and, too that like you, you have to do now, like that only progressive restaurants are doing before. Like we talked about the third, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a third party delivery and just implementing this technology, uh, in, improving your your online presence, like all these things. Like you're coming into the game with these assets, and for most people, that's something that they graduated to. You know, so I think that that's another variable too. Yeah. Yeah, 100% agree. Awesome. Okay, um, so I think we're going to take, um, unless there's anything else you want to talk about, we're going to take one more break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back to answer some questions. You've been hearing it a lot on the show lately, Plate IQ. Find out why Plate IQ is the most intelligent and, quite frankly, the most intuitive way to remotely manage your accounts payable. With the new spend management feature, you can issue virtual or physical cards directly, or you can even connect your existing corporate cards to get visibility into historical and real-time card activity. And when you're using that virtual card, you can get up to 1% cash back. And I haven't even mentioned all the insights you can get with Plate IQ Insights. You can compare spend by item, vendor, time, period, location, and the list goes on. You can get alerted if a price is outside of your contracted terms. You can get access to a hot list of real-time price changes, and you can even categorize your spend analysis. And I know we all have to pay bills, and it sucks to pay bills, but it sucks a whole lot less with Plate IQ's bill pay feature. You can see what is due when. You can schedule payments. Payments by check, ACH, or card. And man, how user friendly is that calendar for scheduled pending and paid invoices? Plus, you can hold on to your flow. No money leaves your account until it is received by vendor. Here is your call to action. Head to www.playiq.com slash unstoppable. That's play like the thing you eat off of. IQ like your intelligence.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you'll get 25% off implementation. There's no secret that the economy is suffering from COVID-19. This is a time of adversity. You need to level up. You need to figure out new ways to make your business work, like adapting with new takeaway options or at-home dining experiences. And design is a huge part of that. That is why we're partnering with 99designs. And if you are listening to this and you are still hanging on and, and you're, you've gotten the lean and you're doing all you can to, to evolve and adapt your business and you just have nothing left in the tank for creativity or you don't even have the people on your team to delegate to because you're such a skeleton crew, but you, you need to have that online presence, it's a kind of a catch-22. Well, if you're like, how the hell am I going to do this? Here's how you're going to do it. You're going to do it with 99designs. 99designs is a creative platform that connects people and businesses with graphic designers and creative professionals around the world. There's two ways to work with 99designs. First, you can run a contest. So basically, you just have a bunch of artists and designers working on your creative project. You go back and forth. You get different iterations. You get feedback. You select your winner, and that's it. That's the contest. Or 
The second way you work with 99designs is by doing a one-on-one project. You get matched with the perfect designer for you. You guys bring the idea to life, and from start to finish, you work with that person. You can negotiate pricing directly with the designer, and you can work with them one-on-one until your design is complete. So whichever way is right for you, go check out 99designs for your creative solution today. And when you use this link, www.99designs.com slash unstoppable right now, you will get $20 off your first design contest. That's the contest, not the one-on-one project. Again, that's www.99designs.com slash unstoppable. All right, we're back in uh, time for some questions. Our first question is coming from Mesroor. Mesroor, hit us. What, what's your question? Yeah, I just I just wanted to see what other, um, you know, checklist is a big thing for us. And if you just touch base on a little bit on that, um, we currently use a software called Jolt that it mm-hmm. does scheduling and checklists, but we're in the market for something that's like some of the features you talked about with the scheduling, like the AI piece. I think that's lacking currently. So if you have a checklist piece that you could comment on that could help us make our decision. Thank you. Mr. Yeah, absolutely. We have, um, it's called seven tasks. It's our, you know, I, I, it's seven com slash task dash management, and you can check it on the website as well. Um, so we, uh, you know, Jolt is obviously like they're super deep and robust around, you know, task management with like, with like, um, temperature checks and things with soups. And we don't do like the Bluetooth checking soups, stuff like that. Like, um, we're not there yet, but you know, I think if you were, it depends on where you, what you want to put emphasis on because we're obviously a scheduling first company, but we built into task management. We've got more stuff on the task management roadmap in the next few months here. Um, but I encourage you to give it a shot. And I, you know, I'm even happy to set up a demo with one of the, of the folks on our team for you to kind of dive in deeper to see if it, it's something that uh, would fit. I was not aware of that. So great question. Thank you, Mazroor. Um, the next question we have, actually, we have Mike with his hand up. So I'll just go to you, Mike. You're unmuted. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Jordan. Um, this kind of goes off of Mazroor's question a little bit too, but you mentioned training plans. Um, what type of integration do you have for that? Like, you know, we have a, a training plan schedule. Is there some way for owners and operators to upload that? so that we can follow right along in seven shifts. A training plan schedule. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Well, sure. So, you know, we have day one onboarding. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they come in, they fill out their paperwork, they get the uniforms, tour the establishment, wow. meet the team. You know, day two, they're doing... Learning the menu. Uh, shadowing, learning the yep. menu, right. And down the line, you know, through... Uh, it varies front of the house or back of the house, whether it's a seven day, 14 day training program. Did you understand um, did that help Jordan? Do you get the, the question? Yeah. Okay. Totally now. Uh, yeah. So basically like you guys have a schedule with any folks that are onboarding, they go through the, their training on certain days. Um, so Correct. for us, we've seen folks just kind of build out a training schedule, um, like kind of a template is what they call it. And then whenever they onboard someone that week, they just load in the training template. Um, and then within that, there's like shift notes uh, that come with it. And we are in a process uh, within this quarter to um, attach tasks to individuals before we just had it role-based. So um, that might be helpful too in the training stuff. So I'm not sure, like without kind of getting into the like nitty gritty in terms of what you, how your process works, but um, it might be worth, uh, you know, scheduling a follow-up and I can, we can maybe dive in deeper. Mike, do you have a follow-up question? No, I think that was... 
all I had for now. Sorry, I'm in the, I'm no. in the restaurant, so I do You're have good. some uh, good, music man. going on. That is to I'll be expected. I'm used to it. I'm used to, to it. To be expected. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Jordan. Um, dude, I, first, first, I want to say, man, like I, we discovered seven shifts. Like I didn't discover it, but I started using it about two months ago, and the entire team loves it, man. It's it's one of the great greatest platforms, the easiest platforms that we use in our restaurant overall. Um, nice. Thank you. But, um, anyway, anyway, man. Like, so have you seen any any shifts in the um, in, in in employee retention, like negative, positive since COVID? Yeah. So uh, I don't have the, the numbers in front of me right now, but maybe I can talk more anecdotally of what we've seen. Is um, a lot of folks, which was encouraging. Like when the pandemic first hit, they were trying to um, they were trying to um, keep as many staff on as they could, right? So they like they basically turned servers into delivery drivers. I don't know if you guys did this or, or saw this happen. Um, but what I, what I have seen is that there's a lot more of the, of the core staff that's still working in the restaurant because some of them may have gotten furloughed. Those folks have kind of like an immense amount of loyalty for what I'm seeing, like to those, those operators. And um, I think that, you know, long-term it's going to be interesting to see what type of focus operators put on, kind of their their workers because i honestly think that with the the pandemic happening they got rid of folks that they should have gotten rid of a long time ago and you know i think it's allowing not just restaurants but all companies to kind of reassess what does their ideal worker look like and how do we if it's if it's jim and sue how do we get more of them and what do they look like what are the traits behind what they what they um you know contribute what are the traits that make them special and and how do we screen for that better so I think coming through this, um, there's certainly a, a, some folks that are probably going to be skittish around taking a job in the restaurant industry. But I think for those that are, you know, still are, are working, are, seem, are seeming to be quite loyal to some of the operators um, that, that I've seen. So I haven't seen like, haven't seen um, past the 8 million restaurant workers <laughs> getting furloughed when the, the pandemic hit. I haven't seen like a major increase in, in turnover yet uh, or retention that's not correlated to the restaurant just outright closing. Brandon, did you have a, a follow-up question? And for some reason, there you go. You're unmuted again. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it was asking me. Yeah, no, um, that's that's kind of what that's kind of the feeling that I was getting from the restaurants. The same thing that you you just you just said, Jordan, um, and and we did all of those things, you know. So yeah, that's awesome, man. Awesome. That's great. How are you guys doing now, Brandon? Fantastic, man. We're up 30 percent over last year. We're a full service restaurant, but we were already do- doing delivery service on top of it. We're really, we're really future focused here um, and everything. We're in a really small community in Indiana, man. So like mm-hmm. nobody's even doing anything what we're doing. I mean, nobody has a scheduling system, you know, right. alone, you know, s- you know, seven shifts, which is like, you know, the easiest and most intuitive that I've ever seen, man. But, uh, yeah, I can't I say that. We, we, we didn't we went, pay we Brandon, from, by the way, to, to say all these things. Yeah, no, no, no. We, we, we went <laughs> nice. from a really, we went from a really clunky, um, just really like deep and granular scheduling system that nobody really had any control over. Nobody wanted to touch to seven shifts, which has that deep integration, but it's just so simple, man. And the and the team loves it, and and if they love it, I love it. Yeah, that's great and that's something know. that came out of the story I th- that I thought was really unique. And maybe I don't know if you were maybe the first ones to to recognize that. I think a lot of programmers and developers were thinking about how can we provide solutions to the restaurant owners' problem, but they 
forgot that it's the the end user is really the employee. And if you can make them happy, it's just like making the guest happy. If you can make the guest happy, then you can make the restaurant happy. If you can make the employees happy, then you can make the restaurant happy. And I think it's cool that you guys saw that that user friendly, uh, not just for the owner, but for the the end end user, the employee. Totally agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cool. I mean, this has been a great conversation. I think we have had a lot of great advice and and just like into uh, the background of Seven Shifts, your, your story, what makes you guys unique, the the data. Thank you for sharing some of the information from that data. Some great questions today. Uh, are there any final thoughts before we wrap up? Any um, thing that we didn't discuss that you want to discuss? Now's the time to get it out. Uh yeah, nothing, nothing crazy. Like if for any folks listening that are using seven just today, um, you can check us out at, um, we have, we've got a promo for restaurant unstoppable. So yeah. if you go to seven com slash unstoppable, yes, uh, you'll get, you'll get three months free. So nice. Thank you. I did not know that was out. coming. So thank you very much for sharing that information. And on a, a, just a personal note, thank you so much uh, for supporting the restaurant unstoppable mission to inspire, empower and transform the industry. Seven shifts is a sponsor right now. Um, that's not why they're here. You're here because you're, you're being recommended organically a lot on the show. And I wanted to really, it's, it's a new approach I'm taking to the show. I just want to lean into kind of like what you did when you were just getting started, you wanted to to lean into the relationships that matter the most. And I want to lean into the relationships that are being recommended. You know, I want, I want, I want to connect my listeners with the products and services that are being recommended. And I get so excited when I get to partner with companies like seven shift that are just being, you heard it today. People are, are saying great things and uh, it's just an honor to be associated. And I just can't say thank you so much for your support. Hey, no, no worries. I'm happy, happy to be here. And yeah, to chat about stuff that I genuinely care about. So yeah. thank you all for asking questions and, and listening. Yeah. And let's show seven shifts, some love guys. I cannot do what I do without the support of my sponsors. If, if you want to support the show, if you want uh, to help me take this thing to the next level, make sure you use our links again, that's seven shifts.com slash unstoppable. Uh, let's, let's take care of these guys so they can take care of us. And um, with that, I guess, thank you so much, Jordan. There is no questioning my man. You are, unstoppable you and seven shifts are unstoppable awesome thanks for having me on your eric it was our pleasure cheers there we go another episode wrapped up here at restaurants unstoppable special thanks again to jordan bush for coming on to share the history of seven shifts to share the benefits of seven shifts what really separates seven shifts from other products and services uh labor management services out there and to share some of that privileged data that you guys have access to and what we've learned from this data and how we can act on this data to improve our businesses and also just a for that glimpse into the future of seven shifts and what the future of the industry looks like so awesome stuff came out of today's conversation uh, and I just cannot say thank you enough to seven shifts in Jordan for sponsoring the show. I would not be able to do what I do without the support of sponsors like you. So thank you so much, Jordan. And, uh, if you guys are interested in seven shifts, head over to seven shifts.com slash unstoppable. If you're interested, you use that link. It shows them that you're paying attention to this podcast, that you are listening to the advice of our successful restaurateurs and, and acting on that advice. And it just goes such a far way to support the show when you use those links and, um, you know, hopefully they come back and support us with even more episodes. That's the goal. And uh, if you guys are interested in learning more, about seven shifts and uh, maybe starting a community of seven shifts owners and operators within the restaurant unstoppable network. What I'm working on right now is developing uh, private groups within the network 
for different technologies out there. So you name it, different technologies that exist, restaurant 365, seven shifts, toast. I'm going to create a separate group for all these technologies so you guys can connect with other restaurateurs who are using the same tech as you are. And you can share best practices. You can share uh, just advice on how to implement these tools. If you're, if you're new to leveraging these tools and you want other restaurant owners who have gone through it, you can connect with those people. And we'll also post on like latest features in uh, product development in those groups. So if you're interested in something like that, head over to restaurantunstoppablenetwork.com and join the community or go to the show notes and uh, find the link for Restaurant Unstoppable Network. If you use that link in the show notes, I'll give you 30 days on me. Um, and you just get so much more when you're in that network. But I would love to have you guys join. And I think that's it for today. Again, special thanks to Seven Shifts for your support in keeping this mission to inspire, empower, and transform the industry alive. I uh, wouldn't be able to do it without your help. And uh, special thanks for you guys for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.